Davis. Her season's going to end on a double doink. One. Unbelievable. Attention listeners, are you ready to be blown away? You asked for it and they listen. Our friends at Manscaped just relaunched the ultra smooth package. It's back, baby. Your new favorite tool and compliments a lawnmower 4.0 to keep your boys smooth while looking and feeling their best. This specialized groin shaving kit is here to help you buff, protect, and shave your most sensitive areas. It's time to crop that bush of yours and get right to the roots of the discount for you from Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping using code DOINK. The legends who introduced the electric ball hair trimmer are bringing back the razor so you can set so you can be set and trimmed from front to back. Men, you no longer have to bore your lady's razor for that precise trim. Step one, grab your handy-dandy lawnmower 4.0 and give your boys a classic trim to your liking to get the loose hairs out of the way and then take out the Manscaped Ultra Smooth Package to make your package the perfect package this summer. The, crop, the crop exfoliator infused with ingredients that can soothe, clear, and keep the skin on around your groin feeling refreshed. The crop exfoliator can help reduce the risk of ingrown hairs in your delicate places. The crop gel, see what, see where you're shaving with our unique clear shaving gel just for the groin. With four essential oils, it's like a spa treatment every time you shave. And now it's time to shave the crop shaver. Was designed for shaving the groin area with confidence. Three precision blades include extra wide lubricating strips and a pivoting head for the ultimate groin grooming experience. Get 20% off and free shipping. You can go doink at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping. Use the code DOINK at manscaped.com. We also want to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring today's episode. Not everyone is someone they can lean on and talk to. That's where BetterHelp comes in. With BetterHelp, you have access to over 20,000 professional licensed therapists. It's not a crisis time. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own professional licensed therapist. If you ever search for a counselor in the area, you know it can take weeks or even months just to get a phone call back. With BetterHelp, you can start communicating as little as 48 hours. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. You deserve you deserve to prioritize your mental health this year. So get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash double doing podcast. We want to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring today's episode. Today's episode is also sponsored by Coolbet. Coolbet is the most cheering sprint gaming company in the world. Coolbet also provides the best odds in Canada with world-class customer service. For first-time users, use the buzz go doink, D-O-N-K, doink, for a 100% welcome bonus of the $200 when signing up with Coolbet. That's code doink, and Coolbet will match your first deposit up to $200. Give our friends at Coolbet Canada. Follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Coolbet Canada. Coolbet, stay cool and bet responsibly. And welcome back to another episode of the Double Doing Podcast. My name is Brendan Deke. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. It would be greatly appreciated. You can also rate the podcast and review the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. It would also be greatly appreciated. We are talking strictly Chicago Bears on today's episode, and I am very happy to be joined by Jacob and Fonte, writers for the Chicago Bears for SB Nation. Jacob, a man. How are we doing? Doing good, doing good. I mean, it's one of these times in the NFL offseason where it's like really 
you know, kind of low key. There's not really too much going on, but uh, if anything, that just makes it more fun to speculate and to look into the future and to keep, you know, keeping that forward thinking mindset. So I uh, got to get creative uh, to find some stuff to talk about, but that's, that's a challenge and I enjoy it. So I appreciate you having me on. No, man. Thanks for taking the time. I kind of want to start with you before we get into it. Um, tell me a little about yourself. Are you, are you born and raised in Chicago? Is that how you be kind of got into this whole being a, being a Chicago sports fan? Yeah. Yeah. So I've been in the Chicago area my whole life. Uh, I grow, I've grown up within like, you know, 45 minutes to an hour of Chicago, you know, my entire life. I'm a, you know, gonna be a fourth generation, uh, season ticket holder from, you know, my great grandpa from back when the bears were at Wrigley field, uh, you know, and that's trickled down through my family, you know, over the years. Uh, my dad was, a, you know, a huge part in getting me into uh, just the Bears fandom in general. Uh, I was because uh, he went to uh, the 1985, the Super Bowl uh, that they ended up winning uh, Super Bowl 20 uh, with. Uh, I think it was my so my grandpa, my uncle and one of their friends. So. Uh, it, it's been in the family for quite a long time. I didn't really have too much of a choice in the matter. I was, you know, basically guaranteed to grow up a Bears fan, and I've just embraced it uh, from a young age. And over the course of, you know, growing up and over the years, I've enjoyed having the chance to talk about football uh, through, you know, writing, podcasting, whatever. Uh, and yeah, you know, it's basically how I got to this Bears fandom that I'm at right now. Uh, it's been. Uh, definitely some ups and downs uh, with, you know, how the Bears have been in recent years. But uh, I wouldn't change that for anything. Uh, it's it's a, you know, it's a part of who I am. So I'm, uh, you know, very grateful to have been, you know, brought up in that, you know, football heavy uh, support system, I guess. So are you a white size? Are you a Cubs guy, I guess, and actually, right? You said Wrigley Field. You guys think it's there? Yeah, no. So I am actually a White Sox fan. Uh, I'm not a die hard baseball fan to the point where, you know, I love the White Sox, hate the Cubs. I, I, you know, I am a White Sox fan. I, you know, really like the White Sox, but I don't hate the Cubs. Uh, truthfully, I was rooting for them in their, you know, 2016 world series. So, uh, you know, no bad blood, really. It's just a matter of, you know, if I had to choose between them, it's the White Sox. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, but football is, football is definitely my, the bigger sport of the two and you know like i follow basketball a decent amount don't know a ton about hockey but you know football is my my first love but yeah white Sox fan for sure so where uh where were you when the double doink happened okay give me your emotions oh (laughs) (laughs) it's a double doink podcast jacob we gotta talk i I know i i figured something was gonna come about (laughs) that but yeah no so i uh i was actually at the game and oh, okay. I was there live at Soldier Field and it was it was an interesting game. I mean, it was pretty close the entire time. Uh, the offense was st- really stalling early on. And the fact that they didn't have uh, Eddie Jackson on the defense back when he was you know playing at his all pro level, that was definitely tough for the secondary. But uh, I remember the Bears were having a good offensive drive. You know, Trubisky had a really good deep throw to Allen Robinson, be able to get yep. into field goal range. I thought 43 yards. I mean, Cody Park, he, you know, struggled over the course of the year. So I wasn't going to say, all right, this is, you know, definitely going in. We're moving on to the next round. Uh, and I admittedly couldn't tell 
if it went in or not from the first, uh, you know, from my angle. Cause I was in the, uh, I was in the South end zone on the, uh, Southwest side and it was in the North end zone where the field goal was. Gotcha. And, uh, so, you know, you can't really see too well with, you know, field goals just because there's no like, you know, it's tougher to see, much tougher to see in person, especially when you're wa- watching along the side. Even like on that. TV, I didn't even know what happened for like a couple of seconds. After. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, like it, it was, it kind of happened so fast and it took like a second. It almost, I feel like the mascot, when the mascot fell over, I kind of realized something bad happened for the Bears. Like the mascot yeah. kind of did the <laughs> status celebration. So I think that's what kind of triggered it in my head. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I, there was like a couple seconds where I paused and I'm like, wait, did it go in? I have no idea because everyone in the crowd was just kind of stunned and confused. They didn't know exactly what was going on. And then after like a few seconds, the booze just started pouring. Uh, I've like, I don't get to the point where I get furious about, you know, sports just because I've, you know, done a, I like to think I've done a decent enough job of removing myself from that full extent of the emotional, but I was admittedly pretty furious and people were chanting things outside coming out of the stadium. They were shouting things and uh, definitely not, you know, safe for work. What some of the stuff that they were saying, but uh, yeah, it was, I mean, the atmosphere itself was really fun in the game itself, you know, leading up to the double doink, but you know, and that's something I'll never forget. Just the energy that was in the stadium, you know, right before kickoff and you know when the bears were on defense and the eagles would have like a third down opportunity uh it was you know something i've never experienced before but you know i'm glad i went even if it means that i get to tell the story that i saw the double doink live yeah uh it's it's still tough like i just brought up all these demons (laughs) inside your body right now (laughs) yeah i'm I'm just i'm just ranting on and on my this is a safe place this is a safe place um yeah. what i i always so my uh so somewhat co-host he's taking a step back on our show here who's a, my one of my best friends he's a diehard bears fan okay yeah. so that's why it's called the double dunk podcast and we always we always bug him i always bug him about it um we always talk about that that playoff run is very funny because eagles go on to the next round and play the saints and they get heartbroken, right? You have the Alshon Jeffrey drop, yeah. so that so the I my heart gets shattered the next week, and then the Saints go on to play the Rams, and that was the the no pass interference penalty. Yeah. So it's like whoever won in that round was getting their heart broken the next week. It was just like a train reaction. The Bears fans got their heart broken, <laughs> Eagles fans got their heart broken, and the Saints fans got their heart broken, and then the Rams obviously lose to the Super Bowl, right? Like that that NFC kind of crowd those teams, like every single fan base kind of felt it during that playoff run. Um so I always find that year very funny from the NFC side of things. And one last thing, just on that game, I always I always do remember that game as Jason Peters absolutely shutting down Cleo Mack. That was kind of like not that was kind of like the game in itself, right? Cleo Mack had that unbelievable year um and that was jason peters kind of last hoorah in philly like he was he yeah. never was the same after that so i always kind of look back to that game but um all right why don't we kind of talk about some present chicago bears and i want to start with the chicago bears draft class so jacob before we kind of get into just players in general why don't you why don't we kind of just zoom out look at a big just kind of all the players clustered into one what did you make of what uh ryan poles first nfl draft was and what did you just make of the haul that he got I thought it was pretty solid. Uh, I think that in the grand scheme of things, the offense still has plenty of needs. I 
I mean, if I were in charge, I would have taken an offensive player with one of the first two picks, but I'm certainly not complaining with what they got. I think that they needed help in the secondary. I think Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker are two day one starters. I think of, you know, high ceilings and high floors, just, you know, very good football players. I thought uh, Brisker in particular was really good value at 48. I was really impressed with that selection. Uh, And Valus Jones Jr., I don't think he's going to be much more than a complimentary piece, but complimentary pieces have plenty of value, uh, especially in today's NFL with someone with his skill set, someone who can, you know, you can use him on screens, you can use him out of the backfield, you can use him on, you know, deep routes, stretching the field. Uh, and there's a lot of different ways that you can use him inside, outside, what have you. Uh, and then the, the fact that Ryan Poles traded back repeatedly in rounds five and six, I was a fan of just because this is a team that, needed an overhaul. Ryan Poles wanted to change the dynamic, change the culture in the locker room, on the field. And what better way to do that than to stock up on as many picks as possible and to have as many guys in there as you possibly can. I think the fact that they drafted four offensive linemen this year, statistically, I feel like one of them kind of has to develop into a starter. I mean, there's starts a chance. the dartboard, right? One of them is going to hit, right? Yeah. He starts the dartboard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I don't know exactly who that's going to be. And I don't know if, you know, one guy's going to be a starter, two guys, whatever. You know, none of them could develop into a starter in the grand scheme of things. But I think it's important, the offensive line, for Poles to be able to shape that. Because him having an offensive line background, uh, I think he, he knows that's his position. So, I, I do trust him in that regard. I like the offensive line picks he made. Uh, Dominique Robinson, the edge rusher from Miami of Ohio, was, I think was a you know high upside athletic edge rusher, and they got some solid uh, depth in the way of you know running back Trist- Tristan Ebner. Uh, they got Trenton Gill, who I think is going to step in and be the punter for these guys going forward, and then uh, you know Elijah Hicks, the Cal safety, I think is going to compete for a roster spot and play on special teams. So. Considering the fact you you, know, you don't have a first round pick, you don't have a third round pick, it's going to be tougher to, uh, you know, secure those sort of sele- but they, not not a third round pick, a fourth round pick. Excuse me, you don't have a first round pick, you don't have a fourth round pick. It might be tougher to find some day one talent, but I think the Bears did as good of a job as they possibly could have, uh, given their you know just their general position, and I think that. I'm I'm interested in seeing what happens this next year. If you know, I think they're going to go more offensive heavy because they gifted Eberflus with some guys to really build around in his defense and his image. You know, being a defensive-minded head coach. But I think next year is going to be more offense. I think that's when we're going to see receivers. We might see another offensive lineman or something. Uh, I, I'm just generally interested in seeing what happens because I think that. It's going to be a long process, but I do think that this draft was a good start for them. Are uh, Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brissett going to start day one? Like, are there spots open for them to kind of just walk in and play day one? I think so. I think Kyler Gordon's definitely going to start right away. Okay. Uh, when you consider that, you know, at least for an outside cornerback, you're looking at his competitions. You know, Kendall Vilder was starting there most of the year. He didn't play very well, at least, you know, well enough to keep a starting job. Uh, Thomas Graham Jr. shown some promise. I don't know if the plan for this current regime is to have him more outside or have him kick in the nickel. I'd kick him in the nickel to have him compete with Tavon Young there inside. But 
And then Duke Shelley has slot experience, has outside experience. I, I don't think there's a true threatening presence on this roster right now that will stop Kyler Gordon from starting outside uh, alongside Jalen Johnson. And Jaquan Brisker, I think, does face a little bit more competition. I think Dane Crookshank is an underrated safety in the grand scheme of things. I think that he got you know lost in the shuffle a little bit with that loaded Titans secondary. I think he's a more than capable safety. I think he's still going to play a decent amount, uh, whether that's as a starter or in sub packages and heavy nickel, heavy dime looks. And DeAndre Houston Carson's also a talented defender, you know, makes his money on special teams. But when he stepped in on the back end, he's been pretty good. But I think Brisker's the most talented of those three. I think that you're looking at someone with legit three down value, someone who can drop back into coverage, who's athletic, who's, you know, loose hips, can cover a big amount of the field, someone who can charge downhill, you know, defend the run, isn't willing, he's not afraid to lower the shoulder and deliver a hard hit. So I think he's a very good compliment alongside Eddie Jackson. I think the Bears will be wise to take advantage of that as quickly as possible. So I think the I think the two defensive backs are going to start day one. Yeah, I like what you said before. They kind of gifted Eberflus kind of his guys right out the gate. And I actually do think that is something that did happen here. Like they, he's coming from Indianapolis Colts system where he was the defensive back coach guy. Like he, this is this was kind of his specialty, right? So kind of getting two guys like that to kind of step in day one maybe just helps him right off the bat. And I don't think the the board really fell their way. Like if they wanted to kind of maybe go get offensive guys, like I do think George Pickens, maybe is a guy that you're kind of maybe kicking yourself down the road yeah. um, if he was there. Like that, that's one of the only players I can see that Bears fans are kind of sitting there going, okay, we should have taken this guy. But he had some red flags, he had some off field issues, he had some on field issues as well. Like I think he had a, I think there was a part where he squirted a water bottle on like the opposing team sidelines. Yeah. That in college, so like I, I, I can understand why Bears brass didn't want to maybe put their name on this guy right out the gate. So I do understand that. So yeah, you know what? In the grand scheme of things, I do think the first two picks are fine. I do want to talk about the third round pick, which um, I'll be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of. Uh, Vales Jones Jr. Um, what do you make of drafting a 25-year-old wide receiver in the third round when there was kind of some other options there? So I personally, for full disclosure, I had a fourth-round grade on Valus Jones Jr. Yeah. So, uh, I, and I, I think you know part of that did factor in his age, his being older for his position. So, uh, from a pure talent perspective, I guess you could make that argument. Age, it doesn't concern me too much, but it, it is a you know, something to keep in mind. Like, you know, if he's solid, then yeah, you'll be able to extend him. But by the time he, you know, hits free agency, he's going to be 29. Is that someone you're going to be willing to give a long-term deal to? Is that someone you're going to be willing to pay big money for when most of, you know, his prime is going to be played on the rookie years, which could be looked at as a positive, but down the line, there's potential you're not getting as many years out of him. So, I did think that was a little bit of a reach. I think he's a very good scheme fit, so I do understand from that perspective. I think that, you know, looking at uh, Luke Getze, he comes from a Matt LaFleur, uh, Kyle Shanahan, that tree uh, of coaches and that tree of schemes. Looking at what the 49ers have been able to do with Debo Samuel, uh, the Dolphins, uh, I think we're going to see a lot of them with Mike McDaniel there, a lot of – uh, how they use how they'll use Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Uh, I think you'll see a decent amount of that. So 
I think Valus Jones, maybe not as productive as a Debo Samuel, Tyree Killer, Jalen Waddle, but he'll fill a similar role in that he'll I think manufactured touches are gonna be the key yeah. for him, uh, in a way that some receivers probably wouldn't have been able to do. So if you're looking for a pure technician, if you're looking for someone who can go up and grab the 50-50 ball, there are certainly better choices than Valus Jones Jr., but I think that uh, as a high-end gadget player, a decent complimentary guy, I think that's a, it's a decent enough selection. Uh, yeah, I think you were right, and I really wanted George Pickens in round two. You know, even with the concerns, that's not for me to totally decide on because I'm not in there talking with him. I'm not in there talking yeah. to his coaches, and uh, but you know, I just know from an on-the-field perspective, he's really good. But. Yeah, Valus Jones, I think, is a solid player. I don't think he's going to be elite. I don't think he's going to be necessarily great, but I think he can be good. I think he can be good, and when the Bears are in this situation, they're in offensively, just having someone you can get the ball to, uh, you know, different positions, but kind of similar to Tariq Cohen in 2017. I mean, that offense was not very good, didn't have a lot of weapons. This Bears offense is certainly in a better position than that 2017 offense where – you know, Kendall Wright was the number one wide receiver on that roster, but still, you don't have a ton of great talent there. Valus, I think, can fit that kind of Cohen mold where you manufacture touches to a guy who's fast and athletic and can play in a lot of different positions. So that's what I think the role is going to be for him. Yeah, the um, I I. I, I... I'm kind of like a sucker for wide receivers coming out of the draft. That's kind of where I focus a lot on. They're the most yeah. fun to watch, right? Most fun tape. Yeah, like I, I love falling in love with the wide receiver position. They he was a funny watch. You you saw you saw the you saw the like the juice come off when he when he um when he got the ball in his hand. Like you saw it there. It's just I'm kind of an ageist as well when it comes to the draft. If you follow my work, you know that. Um I, I I'm not a guy, I'm not a fan of guy, drafting guys over 24 years old. In the third round, I guess it's fine. Yeah. Um, but he was, a, he was a weird watch. Like, I feel like there's a lot left to be known about him, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like the, it, when he gets to the NFL, like, he – I, I want to say he finished third or fourth in yards after the catch in the SEC or something like that. So, he's got he's got enough juice where when the ball's in his hands, he can kind of make things pop. But I do – if I'm a Bears fan, and this is coming from an outsider, I am a tad underwhelmed with just the, the amount of Justin Fields help, I guess, that they got him in the draft. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that that's definitely a uh, that's definitely a concern. Mm-hmm. I think that, at least in my opinion, the Bears are going to be treating this as Justin Fields' true rookie season. Uh, you didn't necessarily get the most out of him in year one. Not a great offense, not a great system. Uh, just a lot of confusion there in general. I think that. The scheme will be better. I mean, you can make the argument the weapons aren't as good. You know, going from Allen Robinson to Byron Pringle, uh, but you know, you're, big I, free agent signing Byron Pringle is that the most money they gave out for agency was the Byron Pringle? Either that or it was Justin Jones, the defensive lineman. I don't know off the top of my head which it is. It's one of the two though. So, you know, either way, I think Pringle's a decent wide receiver three, but they don't have a true wide receiver two on this roster. So, you know, I'll be I'll be interested. <laughs> yeah, I'll be I'll be interested in seeing how that turns out. I mean, you, you can make the argument, you know, Darnell Mooney's the wide receiver too, and then you know, like you said, you need the wide receiver one. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, yeah, it's funny. Like I'm doing um I'm doing rankings for FTN Network. Like I'm doing like positional rankings, and I'm going to be doing wide receiver soon. I was looking at the Bears wide receiver depth chart, and I uh, 
it's not the prettiest sight in the world i'll be honest it's not a, <laughs> not a lot to work with there but um i want to zoom out here um jacob and kind of just talk big picture a little bit here so what was your um what was your initial reaction when they hired matt eberflew did you like it did you not like it and what did you what is like the last couple months maybe kind of uh take it to your opinion on the hiring so i'll admit i've warmed up to it a little bit more uh it, it really that's the case with i think a lot of the things the bears do i get myself in the cycle where something happens you know if if i'm lukewarm on it or i'm not a big fan of it eventually i start to talk myself into it or maybe it's just you know the irrational emotional part of me coming kicking in firsthand and then the logical settling in eventually but i was all right with eberflus i thought that when you considered that it was him uh, Jim Caldwell or Dan Quinn, Eberflus was the guy I wanted the most out of those three. I would have rather gone with an up-and-coming offensive coach. Like, I liked Brian Dable a good amount. I liked Byron Leftwich. You know, he ended up uh, staying in Tampa Bay. But I still think that, you know, someone in that vein, maybe even a Kellen Moore, I don't know. I, I like some of those more offensive, young-minded guys. But you you can make the argument they did that with Matt Nagy and it didn't work out. So Eberflus, I think, is a very good defensive coach. I think he's a good leader. I think he's a guy that people buy into. I think he's going to be good for the culture, just kind of, you know, resetting things in the mold that Ryan Poles wants. I think, you know, you're looking at speed and physicality. I think that that shows up, uh, that showed up on the Chiefs roster, that showed up on the Colts roster and the defense, especially where Eberflus, you know, is able to take control. So I'm, I'm expecting to see a bit of that on Chicago's roster to start this year. I mean, and next year, I think you'll see it even more so, but this year I think you'll start to see some flashes and look, I don't think this team's going to finish with a great record or anything, but I think that they're going to fight. I think they're going to be closer in some games than people, you know, might expect them to be. And I think a lot of that's just going to come down to coaching. A lot of that's just going to come down to uh, just the mentality that's going to be in the locker room this year. Um, I'm going to throw a statement your way. You can either take it and love it. You can throw it back at me and tell me I'm an idiot. But this is kind of um, what I'm maybe seeing a little bit from this organization. So they have re they have re they've hit the reset button. They fired the GM. They fired that coach. They brought in a new new system, new new uh, new GM, new head coach. Everything is there something to it that this is not their quarterback? That Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus. This is not their guy. So they don't really care, not care, maybe not be the right word, but they don't really need to win with Justin Fields, if that makes sense. Like Justin Fields, their hat isn't hung on Justin Fields. If he doesn't succeed, that's not our guy. We didn't draft him. We, he was here when we got here. Is there something to that a little bit? Yeah, so I don't, I don't think so. I mean, granted, I think that there's been some speculation and some discussion, which points to something, but – in the grand scheme of things, I don't think Eberflus or Poles would have taken this job if they didn't think Justin Fields could be the guy. And you know, it's not a situation like with the Cardinals where Josh Rosen was, you know, really, really bad and the Cardinals had the first overall pick and Kyler Murray, a guy that Cliff Kingsbury like notably loved, uh, was available there. So you know, it's not like the Bears had that had that opportunity, but I, I think that. Justin Fields sh definitely showed flashes as a rookie. Oh, yeah. You know, certainly a work in progress. You know, I won't deny that. But I think that uh, just in general, 
you can, I don't think that it's fair to Fields to judge off of one year in a bad offensive 100%, system. Yeah, 100%. So I, I think that they're going to be willing to play the long game with him. I think that not this year, but next year especially is going to be the big uh, – it's going to be a big calling card and it's going to be able to determine, all right, is Fields the guy? I think he can be. I still have the hope and the belief you know, from what I saw from him this year, what I – you know, saw from him at Ohio State. I think he can be a franchise quarterback in this league. Time will tell if he's able to develop and he's able to improve in, you know, a handful of regards. I mean, by all accounts, he's, you know, quickened his release time, his throwing motions more compact, and that was a weakness of his over the last few years. So I'm interested in seeing if that shows up uh, in-game instead of just in practice too. But I, I still believe that Fields can be the guy for the Bears, and I think that Eberflus and Poles – uh, maybe if they're not entirely on board saying this guy's definitely going to be a star, I think that they still at least have hope that he can develop into one. Yeah, I meant it more from like the there's no rush for this management team or coaching staff to get him help or to make him succeed, if that makes sense. Like they're not coming in here like, oh, my God, Justin Fields is on the rookie contract. We have to help him out now. We have to get him all these players because they're clearly not acting that way. If you take a look around the league, and look at all the young quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts, um, for instance. Like, I'm an Eagles guy, right? Like, they've done everything yeah. possible to help their young quarterbacks succeed. Trevor Lawrence, as much as what, as much as we don't have to agree with what Jacksonville's doing, they're at least trying. They spent a stupid amount of money in free agency to put <laughs> wide receivers, like like mediocre wide receivers around them. At least, like again, they're trying yeah. to help them there. Um, the San Francisco 49ers have Debo Samuel for Trey Lance. Well, who knows if he stays there? But I feel like my more of the fact is this management system, this coaching staff isn't like fully motivated to say we have to have Justin Fields succeed or else we're out of here because their argument is, look, he was here when we got here. We don't need to kind of help him out. Um, okay. What do you, uh, a couple more questions for you. What do you make of the offseason that Ryan Poles has done? Because I was looking at cap spending the other day and yeah. Chicago Bears have only $168 million in cap spending this year compared to the Washington Commanders of $233 million. <laughs> the Bears are spending almost 70, more than $70 million less than the top team. So they're they're basic, like, this is a punt year. Like, did they know that? The, the books aren't aligned up for them to succeed this year. Um, this, this team had a lot of issues heading into this year. Like, Ryan Pace did not leave this, these books um, very pleasantly, if that makes sense. Like Brian yeah. was had a lot to do, had a lot of fix. But what do you make, I guess, of the job that uh, for the first-year GM Ryan Bowles has done so far? Yeah, so at first I wasn't really a fan. I understand the vision. I think that uh, I, I came into this offseason where, all right, you want to be able to surround Justin Fields with talent uh, just because I'm, I'm used to that as a Bears fan. That's what the Bears did with Trubisky. Uh, coming into his second year, they gave him Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, uh, Anthony Miller, Trey Burton. They added all those guys uh, to the offense. And, you know, even Jay Cutler, it took him a little while, but eventually while he was there, after they traded for him, they brought in Brandon Marshall. They brought in Alshon Jeffrey. They brought in Martellus Bennett. So I think that you, you definitely, you mentioned Ryan Pace leaving the cupboard a little bit bare there are a handful of bad contracts. There are not a whole lot of draft capital and plenty of players hitting free agency, a lot of holes to fix that 
I think this, you know, this roster obviously is still a work in progress. Not all the needs have been fixed. There's still some glaring weaknesses on this roster, but I think that to set the tone for what's going to come later, I think the offseason makes sense. Again, there are some things I would have done differently. Uh, I think that, you know, they did, didn't do as much as they should have in terms of the wide receiver position. But w- with all that said, I think that this offseason, like you mentioned, it's more of a punt year. And it's not them. I don't think this is them actively tanking. Or yeah. means. I think this is more of them just saying, all right, we're probably not going to be all that good this year. Uh, we can add some guys to get a little bit better, but there's no use in bringing in these super expensive contracts when we know it's not going to do much for us. We want to set things up for the future. We want to be able to succeed down the stretch where we have more opportunities to add top-tier talent. I know you know the number. How much cap space do they have in 2023? 2023. So it's an absurd amount. <laughs> I think it's like 130 million, something like that. I don't know if I'm in La La Land here, but I think it's something like that, no? Yeah, so uh, as I'm frantically for the exact number – Spot track has the bears with the most cap space in the NFL next year with $96.7 million. And that's if before I go, cuts and stuff. They can still add more to that, right? There's so much more they can do. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. And if I can, I, I'm sure it might be different at over the cap because you know, it varies. Okay. So it's, it's 96.9. So just very minimal difference, but it's still a massive amount of cap space. And you have the potential. Maybe you could dump Robert Quinn. Uh, I know he's a really good football player, and I think that his trade value is never going to be higher than it is right now. If the Bears truly want to move on, and they like Travis Gibson, they like Dominique Robinson, or they ha- have an opportunity to add someone early in the draft, I could see them trying to flip him. Uh, you know, there aren't a ton of contracts that are like, "Wow, we can cut him to free up a lot of space," but. That's because they did a lot of that this offseason. They mm-hmm. dumped a lot of people this offseason, you know, freeing uh, Khalil Mack off the books. You know, they ate a lot of dead cap this year, but next year they're going to have a lot more cap space. Same with, you know, like an Eddie Goldman, Danny Trevathan, players like that. You know, you're eating this dead cap now, and down the stretch you're going to have a lot more money to work with. So I'm, uh, I'm really <laughs> – Really excited to see what's going to happen next offseason. I think there, you know, a lot of needs, but I think that they're going to have all the resources to do so, and they're finally going to have a first round pick, and it's yeah. probably going to be really high. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to that. Okay, one more quick question for you. Um, so I've been going through rosters, like I said, I've been doing like positional rankings and stuff, yep. and I can only put the Atlanta Falcons roster below the Chicago Bears right now. Where do the Bears pick next year? Like, where do you think this team ends up? How, how does this season unfold? Because, like, I'll be honest with you. I have a soft spot for the Bears, so this is not me just, like, poo-pooing them. Yeah. But there's not a lot to work with here. Like, it, it's – their best player is Justin Fields. And you can maybe argue Robert Quinn if you want. But, like, their best player is a second-year quarterback who doesn't have a lot to work with. So, Jacob, where where is this football team land next year? Where What are Bears fans going to go through this year? So, I think that it's definitely going to end up with a top-10 pick. I think that's realistic – Top five, potentially, I don't know for sure. I I think that there are going to be some times where, you know, maybe they're able to flip some of their easy games and they have an easier schedule than they did last year. So I certainly, I I think it's possible they reach, you know, that six win mark. That's around where I have them. And, you know, and if that's the case, then I think they just narrowly escape the top five. 
I don't think it's going to be early enough for them to end up with, you know, or to get in that thought of, all right, Justin Fields didn't have a great year. We could get CJ Stroud. We could get Bryce Young. Uh, I don't think they're going to be early enough to be in the range for those guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do think that they're going to be in the range to get an elite, you know, blue chip prospect elsewhere, whether that's one. Yeah. I know you've you've been watching Will Anderson tape already. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I mean, and as much as I love, you know, like a wide receiver, like a Jackson Smith and Jigba or a Kayshawn Bouti or Jordan Addison, any of those guys, Will Anderson, I think is the best player overall in this pro in this class from what I've seen. So uh, I certainly wouldn't complain with him rushing the passer for my Chicago Bears. But, yeah, I think that it's going to be a top 10 pick, at least in my opinion. I don't, I don't think this is a playoff team. I've seen some people, they're like, oh, with this easy schedule, I think they could flip 10, 11 wins, which I don't, I don't get that at all. Mm-hmm. Truthfully, I think that this is a roster with a lot of holes, a lot of deficits. So I'm, I'm hopeful for the future. I think 2023 they'll have a legit chance to be a playoff team. But 2022, this is, again, more of a punt year. I think that this is going to be one of the worst teams in the league. I don't think they'll be the worst because I think that the coaching that they have in place is better than some other places. But, uh, yeah, I I think that it's going to be near the bottom of the barrel. That is Jacob Unfante. He is a writer for Windy City Gridiron. That is the SB Nation hub for the Chicago Bears. Jacob, why don't you plug in anything you want the listeners to take a look at before you go? Yeah, for sure. So you can check me out on Twitter at Jacob Infante24. I mean, it's right there, you know, below my name. Uh, check me out at Windy City Gridiron. You know, like I mentioned, that's where all my bear stuff is, and my draft stuff, uh, but also doing uh, NFL draft work over at the Draft Wire. Uh, you know, with this year's class dying down a little bit, maybe not as much over the summer, but I'll be digging into some 2023 stuff going forward. And I have a Patreon that's uh, you, is, you can make sure to subscribe to. It has my draft guide from this year. So, you know, even though the draft's already been made, you get free access to that and to see what I thought of certain players and what I expect them to be. Uh, and I'm going to be having some exclusive stuff uh, down the stretch this summer. So I'm looking forward to that. And yeah, no, that's honestly it. That's where y'all can find me. Jacob, thanks so much for doing this, man. Really appreciate it. No, of course. Thank you for having me.